mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello! Welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything, and it is not a good start. Um, There have been a few bumps in the road this week. Firstly, um, I had a chemical peel from my wonderful friend Kate at The Unique Skin. You can find her on Instagram. This isn't an ad, but she is my friend. She's based sort of North London-ish, Essex, Edgeware, kind of Hertfordshire. I think she will travel and she comes to your house and she does a variety of different aesthetics things, massages, facials, all beauty stuff. But she does, you know, an intense an intense menu of facials. I think Kate is even trained to do injectables and threads, but she doesn't do that for me. She um, comes by and does facials, and usually those have gone very well, but I haven't had a facial in a long time. And Kate said, yeah, your skin is looking a bit dry, a bit dull, because I have really low estrogen at the minute. When you breastfeed, your estrogen just plummets. That lets your prolactin go up, and that's how you make breast milk. Fun fact for uh, those people who want to know the mechanisms behind making breast milk. Oh, and I guess that means that if you struggle to make breast milk and you feel badly about yourself... First of all, that mom guilt, just let it go because it doesn't matter, but also give yourself a little pat on the back because maybe it just means you have extra estrogen and you're feminine and sexy and you can't help it. I have no estrogen though. So I'm basically like a man. It's so weird that you could be breastfeeding, but like the most mannish of your life because your estrogen is low and that makes your skin dry. And actually they say it makes cover your ears. Yeah, pussy dry as well. But when I went for my cervical smear the other week, which all came back negative, haters, negative. All the types of HPV. There are low risk, high risk. I think there's like 30 types of HPV, negative for it all. But um, the doctor actually mentioned, because I said, oh, we might want to have one more baby. I don't really know. And uh, you cannot really get pregnant breastfeeding, though I know there's a slight chance. And she said, well, it seems not dry, is what she said (laughs) up there. She said, so I would watch out. And I said, great. So Kate came over for the facial and Violet was going to get a facial as well before we go on this working family holiday for the weekend. And then at the last minute, I was like, no, actually, I don't want a facial. And I tried to say, well, you need one because children of mine are going to have nice skin. And she said, I just don't. I can't be arsed. I don't want one. I was like, oh, fine. So Kate stayed for the duration of the time that she would have given me a facial and Violet a facial because she's wonderful. She's very professional. And she said, let's take this opportunity with your dry skin. We'll do a chemical peel. We'll do some really hydrating stuff, but we'll also do microneedling. And I got excited about that because I always feel like you're not getting the benefit of any procedure unless it's like pretty abrasive. And so I haven't had a facial in a long time. I said, go for it. And what microneedling is meant to do, now Carrie won't like to hear this. My sister Carrie, who owns an aesthetics spa, Clinique de Mode in Toronto, if you're ever in the area, um, she doesn't like the idea of microneedling 
in any uncontrolled environment because she's like, oh, it has to be super clean. If you do a roller, then the needle's not going in at the right angle and it can cause damage, da, 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 da. So I spoke to Kate about it. She's like, no, I use a pen and I trust Kate like with my face, with my life. So I said, all right, let's do it. And microneedling kind of, well, it's like a bunch of little needles that go into your skin again and again and again. Not very deep. It's just, you know, on this device. And that causes enough, I mean, quote unquote, injury, for lack of a better term, that your skin thinks it's been in a fire or it's been hurt and it needs to produce collagen. It like panic produces collagen and you kind of shed uh, some dead skin and then your skin makes beautiful new skin. And this can be very restorative. I wouldn't recommend it if you have an event coming up. I wouldn't recommend it if you plan on being out in the sun, though I would never recommend being out in the sun. I'm going to the south of France tomorrow, and I did it anyway because my sun routine never changes. I could be anywhere in the world. I could be in the blazing hot Phuket Uh, sunshine or I could be in a deep dark wet cave I'm still getting the same amount of sunlight because I am fastidious hypersensitive obsessive pathological about sun safety and skincare the facial itself was not painful at all I loved it but as soon as Kate left and she gave me all the aftercare treatment you know she put on a mask she said don't wash your face today obviously stay out of the sun Tomorrow, you know, just use really hydrating creams like La Roche-Posay Cytoplast or something and some nice cooling gels and stuff, hyaluronic acid, but my skin started stinging. I mean, I don't know what I did wrong. It just really started stinging. And maybe that's part of the process. And she did seem a little bit surprised that I had no pain before. She's like, oh, can you feel it on a scale of one to five? You know, she checks in with you. How does it feel? And I was always like, zero, zero. And then all of a sudden my face was on fire and I said to Bobby, oh Christ, I needed to film the next day and I knew that that was outdoors. So of course I have a sun hat, but I was like, I'm on camera with no hair and makeup. The current job that I'm doing now, they do not have a budget for Jen and Fiona. So I'm on my own doing makeup in the car. Wait till you see how busted I look when it comes out. But um, basically, Bobby looked at me a few hours later, and he was trying to be kind, I think, because Charlize Theron is a celebrated Oscar-winning actress. But he said to me, um, you know the movie Monster? And I was like, and my face was just like red, and today it's peeling. But I know it's part of the process, and it's going to look amazing. I just really hope it sorts itself out soon, because I got things to do tomorrow, corporate gigs, jobs, and I'm coming back to London soon for the Roundhouse Festival. It's already kicked off. If you live in London or you're visiting London or you'd like to come to London, there are tickets available for a bunch of shows at the iconic Roundhouse in Camden. It's where we filmed backstage with Catherine Ryan. Maybe the Roundhouse is Kentish Town. I don't know what neighborhood claims it, but it's sort of between the two. I know James Acaster is doing a show there. My show there is unfortunately sold out for those of you who don't have tickets. But I would still say any show, and I've said this before, and I mean it for the Edinburgh Fringe, which is going on right now in Scotland. I mean it for uh, the Roundhouse Festival. I mean it for any show. Go on the day they might release production tickets at the door or someone might be doing returns. You know, you never know who's getting sick or whose babysitter falls through, especially if you go alone or just with one other person. You can usually get tickets to anything last minute, usually, not always. Give it a punt, I would say. Uh, my show is very LGBTQAI plus positive. It is opened by the London Gay Men's Chorus. If you've seen me on tour in London, well, on tour anywhere, 
they don't support me all the time anywhere, but in London, I get them to open the show with like amazing big musical theater numbers, pop numbers. They're so great. And then my two very good friends, Michelle DeSwart and Stephen Bailey will be doing sets and I'm hosting. So I haven't been on stage in a while. I have some new stuff that I'm thinking of. I would like to be doing more stuff. I mean, maybe I'll get canceled. Who knows? But I'm excited about that. I do have some somber news, something I've really been struggling this week, and it is a big girl grown-up problem. And I get letters about your dilemmas, but this is one in my own friendship group that I really don't know how to solve. And I'm hoping that there will be people, solicitors, or maybe parents who've been through this before who can give me some advice. If you can, please email in tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. I have a friend, and you don't know this friend. This friend isn't famous. It's a close friend from back home, a friend who's had trouble in her relationship. Now, for the sake of clarity and fairness, I only hear one side of this story. I don't really know her husband that well. I don't know what's going on. I have not spoken to him about this at all, but I love my friend. I believe my friend. And they've had problems in their marriage for a number of years. And finally, she felt that these problems got too dangerous for her physically and mentally and for her children, and she needed to call it quits. I was worried when she told me this because from what she tells me, he is not the kind of man that would uh, make me feel very confident to leave without a fight. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes when people are abusive and controlling, leaving them is is the most dangerous position you'll put yourself in. I think statistically, that is when some of these terrible domestic tragedies happen. And I said to her at the time, I said, all right, if you're going to leave him and that's your decision, then please don't underestimate how he will react. A man who views you as his property uh, doesn't like losing that property, doesn't like when you make decisions for yourself and you take away his children and his wife, yourself, and other elements of his life that he considers to be his property. And if he has a history of abuse, I'm sorry, but he really fits the bill as someone who could put you and the children in great danger. And she did not listen to me. She said, well, you know, we loved each other once. He's a good dad. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and like let him in my house and let him see the kids and I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be as permissive as I can be. And I was like, e okay, but please just protect yourself. Without filling you in on all the details, he has now disappeared with her children and she hasn't seen them in a number of weeks. Uh, she used to see them all the time, co-sleep with them. Uh, she'd only ever been apart from these kids for two days maximum. They have three kids together and the kids are probably somewhere local to her. They're probably safe. But all the advice that she has is like, don't go to any addresses that you know where he might be and bang down the door. You can't do that. It looks bad in the courts. Like police kind of can't do anything uh, about these situations. And luckily, by the grace of God, I've never been in this situation myself. And Canadian law and Canadian policing is not super different to the UK because we are Commonwealth. So I think that a lot of our laws and practices mirror the ones here. So you might not be an expert in Canadian family law, but it's very similar from what I understand to British family law. Basically, they're saying to her, like, you know, these are his kids. And if they're not in school and they're not missing school and they're just with their dad, there's nothing that we can do. 
in addition to blocking her so she can't speak to her kids, and he's saying things like, your kids don't ask about you, you'll never see them again, you know, really scary stuff. Um, in addition to blocking her so she has no means of communication, and, and I truly believe I agree with her um, legal advice that it is dangerous for her to just go over there on his own, where they might be, where all his family are. It's just going to create maybe a scene that might further traumatize the children. Um, in addition to this, he went back to the house while she was at work and took everything out of the house and deadbolted the door with like a new lock. And he was able to access the house because he is on the mortgage. But he went in one time and just took everything, like all her clothes, the children's passports, like everything that belongs to both of them, he's decided is mine. He took her underwear. He took like things that she needs for everything, every sofa, every mirror, like everything is gone out of that house. And she doesn't feel safe going there. So she's essentially displaced. She can't contact her kids. I'm desperately scared about this situation because I feel that it could still escalate. And a lot of you write me in about, you know, happy things to do with the relationship. And you've met someone new and it's really exciting. Or is he ghosting you or is he that? But unfortunately, a lot of a lot of you also write in about the breakdown of relationships and abuse that can happen. And when children are involved, it's just so sad and so scary, especially when they're used in this way, weaponized against their father or their mother. And all she was trying to do is keep an open door policy so that this man could have access to his kids. And now she doesn't have access to her kids. And so it will go to court eventually, but who knows when? Who knows when? And they will go back to school in September at some point. Canadian school starts the same time as the UK. But like, she has not been away from her kids for more than two days. And it's now been weeks. And she's been told like that her hands are tied. She can't do anything. What? I don't believe that that is true. So what can this woman do? Like, what will you advise? I'm sorry to take it to such a dark place. But also, every time I read a letter like this, or now I'm telling you about one of my girlfriend's experiences in Canada, it's like, just be so careful who you have children with. You might be with a guy and you're like, oh, I really like him. We have great sex. We have so much chemistry. Yeah, you know, he has a temper. And oh yeah, he has some like red flags. He can be pretty controlling. You wait until you have that man's children. You better hope nothing goes wrong because then when you have children, your heart is living outside of you in three little bodies running around. And it's, it's such a vulnerability for you. And, you know, unfortunately, this stuff happens more often than not. I was telling Bobby about it, and he's like, that's crazy. I'm like, it isn't. Like, it does happen. And this is something that people are navigating all the time, and it makes me sick, and it makes me scared, and it makes me sad. And if you've read my book, I'm not even going to tell you the name of it now because it sounds like a plug. I'm not trying to plug my book right now. But I do speak about a young woman in our hometown who was murdered when she attempted, well, she had extricated herself from the relationship. It was her ex-partner, but he continued to try to contact her. And he felt, I think, this element of ownership and control. And we were very young when that happened. And she wasn't my best friend and she wasn't my sister. And I don't mean to make this young woman's death about me, but it rippled through a small town and it affected everyone. And I was of the age that it wrote on the canvas of who I am. I went, oh, oh my God, so if you try to leave them, they can kill you. And like, even though I wasn't super close to her, we worked together, I did know her well. But um, it's something that I think about all the time, less now, but I've had to like go to therapy and be like, don't worry, Catherine, not every man is a murderer. But like, 
I, I've said in my stand-up, and it comes from a place of truth, um, men are nature's gun. You are statistically most likely to be killed by the one in your house. And that's like, <laughs> uh, but it's also a way of me dealing with my trauma from that. Like I, I spent a lot of my life really afraid of them. And now it keeps popping up. Now I have a girlfriend that I think is in danger. I really do. And I just can't believe that the legal system can't do more to protect people. Any instance of like harassment or stalking or abuse or this or that, they go, well, keep a diary of when it's happening. It's like, all right. And then you will act like once I am missing, you will do something maybe wild. What can she do? Telling everybody everything at gmail.com. On the subject of the emails into the podcast, I received an update from the writer who was abused decades ago by her uncle and fears for his young grandchildren and keeping her child away from men. Catherine, thank you for answering my email. I appreciate you and the listener's advice. I'm still undecided on what to do moving forward. However, I have a new predicament and my partner and I are not on the same page. I've had an email from my son's nursery today, a nursery that we all, including my son, love, and we waited 12 months on a wait list to get into. They, this is in caps, they are employing a man. This makes me feel really uncomfortable, and my reaction is that I want to move my son to a different nursery. My partner says that this is an overreaction for lots of very sensible reasons, like all men are not predators, which I totally get, by the way. But if I really try to be rational, I don't want to be rational. I want to do anything in my power to protect my son. I absolutely get that feeling. When I try to be rational, I don't want to be rational. I used to see this incredible therapist, Pam, at Belief. And I remember when she was trying to unpack some of my fears about men. And I forget what it was she was saying, but I started moving toward, you know, oh, okay, what if I don't view them as dangerous? And what if I don't view? And then I actually started to cry. I was like, oh, no, like I I didn't want to feel like that because I felt that my instinct was right. And I felt like if I abandoned my instinctive fear, then I would be in danger. Do you know what I mean? I was like, no, I don't actually want to let go of this fear that I thought I wanted to let go of because this fear is keeping me safe. And I kind of panicked. I went, oh, I thought I wanted to, I don't. And I think that's what you're feeling now. And you have to remember that, unfortunately, you know, very tragically, you do have this history of abuse, but your son is a wonderful man, a little boy, but he will be a man one day. And your partner is presumably a wonderful man. And I'm sure that you have met lovely, lovely men in your life. And the reality is like, I get what you mean that statistically abusers and predators tend to be men. And men feel really angry when you paint them with that brush. The the vocal ones online, they go, well, that how can you say that's all of us? We know, like we know it's not all of you. But there is this instinctive fear that we have trouble letting go of if you've been exposed at all to anything negative. Because it's so scary. It's so meaningful. Keeping your son safe is so important that you're like, fine, I'll be irrational. Fine, like cancel me. All right, I will be um, a misandrist. And I will petition against this man getting hired or I'll move my son. And it's it's even very interesting that the nursery had to send a letter out to be like, just so everyone knows, like, I can't believe that we still deny this problem with men when the nursery is sending out a letter being like, um, we've decided to let a bear loose in the nursery. Uh, we think it's a pretty cool bear. Uh, he has not 
devoured anyone so far that we know of. We've got honey in the back just to, you know, call them off if anyone, you know, it's like, there is this element of danger. I get what you're saying. However, won't it be wonderful for the children to have like a really engaged man in the nursery who I'm sure has done the like DBS checks and all the precautions and is perfectly, perfectly safe. And there will be male teachers in your son's life and there will be a male postman and there will be a male bus driver and there are men in the world. And I think your son couldn't be safer than in this nursery environment where there's loads of safeguarding, loads of eyes on what's going on, good ratios with the children. He loves the nursery. I absolutely wouldn't take him out. I think you need therapy. You need to stop writing into this. I love your letters, but I am not qualified to help you. I could try my best and I can give you like trickle down all the advice I've had for free. But I think that you need someone qualified, a specialist to help you work through this fear. Otherwise, you know, your son is going to be missing out on wonderful things. I am absolutely obsessed with how lucky we are to be living in the golden age of the internets. Internets is what um, Black Twitter, they even spell it differently. Black Twitter, Black Instagram call the internet and all the very hilarious people who make memes about whatever's going on in the news. Bobby first told me about this and I didn't even realize that he received news like this. Bobby normally receives sports news and just stuff that I don't get. But he said to me one morning, did you see the fight in Montgomery, Alabama? And I said, no, I do not watch fights. I find it upsetting. It's not my thing. He said, well, you got to see this. It turned into essentially a very upsetting race war, but it's been made to be so funny on the internet because of all the little details and elements. And I've only seen the memes that have just burst from this incident. Um, There was a gentleman who happened to be black who worked on the docks near the water in Montgomery, Alabama. And you can see these two like very Alabama white men were trying to park their boat or they were trying to do something. And the man in charge said, no, you can't do this. He reprimanded them in some way for breaking a rule, at which point one of the white men started fighting. He started swinging. And the black man who worked there took off his hat and threw it in the air. And the memes about even just this detail are so funny. It's like, here I am summoning my friends to help, throwing a hat in the air. And then they started to fight. But as they were fighting, there was a boat full of people. And a lot of these people were allies of the man who worked for the boating place. The boat is slowly coming up to the dock. And people see a black man in trouble being fought by like two white men who I believe from what I've seen were very much in the wrong. And they start jumping off the boat. There's a man who is swimming to a fight. They all eventually get to the dock. And these men who started the fight must be thinking like, oh gosh, what did I get myself into? Because then it's an all out brawl. Like everyone from the boat gets off and starts fighting. And there were women involved in this fight. There is a point when a man takes a chair and smacks this like larger white woman with the chair, which is absolutely unconscionable. 
But when you see this through the lens of like comedy memes, a lot of the elements were really funny and people are getting tattoos of like a fold out chair. There's someone who has like a shiny purse and the purse is just a chair. Like I never thought in my life that I would be reading about something as serious as like assault, like a real fight, but I can't actually watch the fight because it's too upsetting for me. So I have to learn about it through these comedy memes, which I'm sorry, like it's very funny. It's very like, hide your kids, hide your wife. If you don't know about that meme, that was about a very serious attempt at assault and a burglary, but it was made funny by the internets. And this brawl was made very funny once again by the internets. And I'm going to find out what actually happened. I'm going to read the like real police report or whatever news outlet is available to me and see if I've guessed correctly just by all these funny memes. Police in Montgomery, Alabama have unveiled new details of a waterfront brawl captured on a stunning viral video over the weekend, including the names of the three white men currently facing charges. It all began with a private pontoon boat blocking a tourist cruise ship. Chief Albert of the police said that the cruise ship, which takes passengers for two-hour rides along the Alabama River, had 227 passengers on board when it tried to dock in a designated space and noticed a pontoon boat was docked there. So the co-captain waited 40 to 45 minutes for the boat to move. A smaller boat picked him up and brought him to the pier to try to have a conversation with the pontoon boat owner so that he could park the large vessel in its spot. Oh, so it's the co-captain of this boat. That's when he was attacked by several members of the private boat after they confronted him in a hostile manner. The police chief said he was doing his job. Videos of this incident have now gone viral. The video shows a white man coming up to the co-captain and punching him. More people are then seen piling on the alleged dock worker, hitting and punching him. Oh, subsequent footage was posted of even more people attacking each other. Here's part of what happened after the riverboat docked and the other workers and people on the boat were able to get off and fight. The journalist wrote, the footage captured one man grabbing a foldable chair and hitting people over the head with it. The police said that in addition to this man, another employee on the smaller vessel that transported him to the dock, a 16-year-old white male was assaulted by members of the pontoon boat. My God. Police detained 13 individuals on the night. The interviews lasted several hours, and now three people have warrants out for arrest. A 48-year-old, a 23-year-old, and a 25-year-old. All individuals were members of the pontoon boat, which was clearly in the wrong. And see, that is the power of comedy, and I miss it, and I feel like it's dwindling in mainstream media, where you can deal with a serious subject and sort of teach people about what happened and spark conversations. You know, there have been really important conversations about why people are reacting the way that they are. You know, like some people are like, oh, you shouldn't have hit that white woman with a chair. And it was very interesting. I saw one of the many memes about the subject. And you really have to check out the memes. I mean, it it doesn't mean you have to watch the actual fight, but just the way that the co-captain throws his hat in the air as like a bat signal is really funny. People are weighing in like, I, I do love social media for this, to really take the sting off a negative event, but still leave room to have important political conversations. Uh, This guy was like, I'll tell you why um, you think it's bad that this white woman got hit with a chair is that like she found herself so privileged as to enter a brawl like there was an ongoing, very serious brawl. She didn't have to become involved in this brawl, but she got off the boat. She decided to fight. She thought she could enter a brawl and not get hit with a chair. And you thought 
that a white woman should enter this ongoing brawl and also not get hit with a chair. So her white privilege is showing and your white privilege is showing because guess what? You, whether, you know, whatever your demographic is, you cannot enter a brawl like this and expect not to get hit hit with a rogue foldable chair. Laughing at these memes doesn't mean that you condone violence or you think it was good that there was a fight. It just because everything's filmed now and everything goes viral, there are elements that are funny. And I really hope we never lose that because I can only deal with serious subjects through a comedy lens sometimes. And that's how I want to receive all my news. And I think we're losing some of that in stand-up for sure. You can't talk about serious issues uh, without being very careful. But meme culture, like internet culture, it's still very much alive. So if you've got the stomach to watch some of a brawl, look up the Montgomery, Alabama memes. Let's have some words from our sponsors now. And when we return, I will get into your questions, comments, and dilemmas from this week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh no. Catherine, I have a dilemma. I am 35 with four children. I'm married to a man 22 years older than I am. I mentioned my children because after giving birth so many times, my boobs are rubbish. Don't say that. Don't say that. I know what you mean, but your boobs are not rubbish. Retrain your language, girl, because your boobs presumably accommodated for pregnancies. Whether you breastfed your children or not, you know what I mean? They had to grow and shrink and grow and shrink and grow and shrink. And they're not rubbish. They just tell a story now, as mine do. And I'm... I feel really sad that you think they're rubbish. They're just different now because of, you know, yeah, no, I get what you mean. I feel like my boobs are rubbish too. All right. I've never been blessed with big boobs. I'm small chested and having children never helped. My husband is a boobs man and I've been secretly checking his history. I know that's wrong, but he's been Googling nude pictures of women online. Oh, so he's old. Wait, how old is he? 22 years older than you are. So he's 57 and he's been Googling photos of nude women online. Of course he has been because he doesn't know how to operate Pornhub. He's just Googling like women and he doesn't really know like the ins and outs of the internet. And so he's just putting like, I don't know, what do women have? Like boobs. Yeah, I'm a boobs man, boobs. Like he just doesn't know. He doesn't know about like other kinks. I Like God bless this man for putting in boobs. Like what you don't want is a husband who puts like teens getting like cream pie or whatever asian teens like going no big boobs means he likes grown women 
I love that about your husband. I wish he was just happy enough with me. I'm a size eight and I take pride in my appearance. Many tell him he's punching above his weight with me, but his online activity makes me feel insecure. Now I'm considering a boob job. I can't really afford it, but it's something I've wanted to do for years. And now I know it's something my husband wants me to do too. I feel even more obliged. You don't know that this is something your husband wants you to do. Bobby spends all his time Googling like golf, this golf courses, different types of grass, golf hacks. I don't think that that means he wants me to join the LPGA. I know that this can make you feel bad because you're like, oh, he, he clearly wants me to have big boobs. He certainly doesn't. He doesn't want you to like go into debt, risk your life. Cause even though it's a very small risk, any general anesthetic is like a small risk to your life and get implants that might make you sick. They might give you some autoimmune response. He's 57. Like how many more like bangs has he got left him in the first place? Like I don't think that his online activity should have any bearing on what you decide to do with your body. And I also think that you, you say that you've wanted these fake boobs for years and now you're like, well, I guess I have to get the breast implants because my husband clearly wants that. Do you really want that? Like, do you want to get breast implants to feel better about your body because it's okay to say that and it actually makes it a lot better for me if that's why you're doing it I would tell you like whatever you want to do with your body to feel more confident to feel better you know I know a lot of people who got breast implants when I did when we were like 20 and we just gave up we're like no my boobs aren't getting bigger and I want them big and it is the like late 90s early 2000s and that's what's in and we got like different sizes of fake boobs despite having like beautiful perky, childless, young boobs. And I regret doing that a little bit. I mean, I guess I won't say I regret it. I had a great time with my implants, but I would like to get them out at some point now because it's like, implants are so over. It's like a tramp stamp. It's like, ugh, it's such an emblem of the naughties. And people have suggested that having any foreign body in your body can make you sick. But if you just want a little bit, you want to get a lift, presumably, and you want to have something there because having four children has taken what you feel that you used to have and you identify with that image of yourself, then go ahead and do it. But I, I mean, getting massive implants because your husband like doesn't know how to find porn is a bad plan. <laughs> You've seen him Googling. Like, it's so cute to me just seeing him there like with one finger being like, big boobs. Hmm. I like boobs. He's not Googling like wacky shit. And I like that. But he loves you. He loves your boobs, you know? Like, don't make your body a trend. Don't change your body for anyone else, especially not a 60-year-old man who can't afford to get you implants. Uh-oh, this one is about my friends. Catherine is weaponized incompetence in dad's funny. Joanne says, you received a handful of these messages concerning Sean Walsh. Catherine, not your podcast or your problem, and I don't expect you to weigh in on this publicly considering these are your friends, but listening to Parenting Hell podcast on Friday, I was absolutely enraged by Sean Walsh and the shit he came out with. If you haven't heard it, an attempt at bringing back dad is a fucking useless waste of space jokes basically sums it up. It just made me think, imagine if you had turned up on that episode when Fred was a baby and you were also touring and you acted like you didn't know how old he was. You didn't know if he was in the bed with you or not. You didn't know if he was waking up in the night. You weren't dressed by 10 a.m. And generally, you just had no clue what you were doing. Same, in fact, for any comedians who are mothers, the backlash there would have been. And then people, including Rob and Josh, sit there and argue that it's just a joke. Maybe it is, but I'm tired of it. 
Okay, so I do listen to my friend Robin Josh's Parenting Hell podcast. I was a guest when they did a live podcast. Um, it's a very successful uh, podcast because it's two dads who talk about having children, and that is a breath of fresh air. And they're two very funny guys and two very funny friends. They have guests on the podcast who are also parents. And comedian Sean Walsh, who's another friend of mine, he had a baby in February with his partner, and he decided, I guess, to go on the podcast. I've just read about it now, a little blurb. It's in the tabloids and everything, where he had like um, an eye mask on and a bathrobe, and his girlfriend was in the background kind of answering questions that he couldn't answer about their new baby. And it was definitely a bit. like He just decided to be like, oh, I'm going to wear this sleep mask and say, uh, I don't know what's going on, and that's going to be my bit, because it is a comedy podcast. And there has been backlash for Sean doing that. So I'm not really sure. Like, I appreciate your letter, but I don't really know what your point is. Like, if I went on and I said, I don't know how old Fred is, I don't know, there would have been backlash, of course. But you can be encouraged by the fact that Sean did that bit and there's loads of backlash for him. I will tell you what I don't appreciate is when there are dads in my industry who are on tour and they have a stay-at-home partner who is doing absolutely everything And those dads have the audacity to go on podcasts being like, I am exhausted. The baby's doing this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, mate, I know you've never met that baby. (laughs) I know that your wife and the nanny helping her and both of your mothers are raising that baby and you hold it once a month when it's clean and fed and happy. And then you see me out and you're like, oh yeah, I'm really tired from my baby. It's like, fuck off. I would much rather a dad really lean into, hey, my partner's doing everything and try to make it funny. Why, Sean, what are you doing to make you such a tabloid darling? Like, why have they, you know, it's not ideal. The Strictly stuff, not ideal. I've been over that with Sean. But people have done terrible, terrible things since then. And you still just have a target on his back and you want to bring up all this old stuff. Like, do you have any idea how many production assistants and runners have been fingered. Sean, you need to get a new PR or no PR or fire a PR. I hope you're feeling okay about this. And love. luckily you have um, a wonderful partner and baby to console you. I'm sure this will blow over a lot quicker than the last thing. Lastly, Catherine, how do I put up with my partner's son? Catherine, I've been with my boyfriend for three years. I've been living with him for one. He has a son who's 14, but acts more like 10, who comes to stay every other weekend. My boyfriend has a really good bond with him. Yay for green flags. I'm noticeably younger than my boyfriend, but we're so happy together and took things extra slow to be sure his son is okay with everything. And all in all, I get on with the son, and he's even said to his dad that he really likes me. However, deep, deep down... I'm really struggling to put up with and cope with having the son over. I know this is not a mature response, nor is it appropriate, but these feelings have only gotten stronger now that I'm living there. The son is a great kid. He does well in school. He's kind, etc. but I find him so irritating. I don't know if it's part jealousy, but I've noticed the more I see him, the more I feel resentment. I've raised this with my partner lightly. He understands where I'm coming from and respects it's a big adjustment for us. But I also know that I'm the adult in this too and I need to put my big girl pants on and get a grip because his son will always and should always be the priority. 
One thing that really gets me is when the sun is over, he just sits on the PlayStation in the living room all day playing fighting games and screeching, screaming at the game for upwards of eight hours a day, which I honestly find unbearable. I would love your advice on just how to shift my perspective. I know my feelings are shared by many other women, so I'd love to hear from other listeners if they have any advice. I know this is pathetic, but my emotions, feelings, and dare I say irrationality are standing in the way of us being a truly happy family. I don't want this to ruin an amazing relationship with my partner. Wow. So you know that you're the asshole for not liking this kid, but you kind of just don't like this kid. And I get it. 14-year-old boys are so irritating. And especially when they're not your own. And I think that what you need to do is take a more active role if you intend on sticking around, which it sounds like you do, and make this kid feel more like your own. Maybe part of what's annoying you about him isn't, you know, just his presence, but it's how he's using his time with you. I would not be okay with any child of mine or anyone else's dominating the common living space and playing video games for eight hours. Like, that's just not acceptable. I would say to my partner, like, I intend on having kids with you one day, or maybe you don't, or just this kid. I'd be like, no one should be playing video games for eight hours. Let's take him out. Let's do something with him. Let's break up the day. And even if your partner is busy, or I don't know what the arrangement is on the weekend that you're sat there with a 14-year-old playing video, I mean, it's probably the fact that 14-year-old boys just want to play video games for eight hours. But that's not really quality time to spend with your dad on the weekend or every other weekend. So why don't you plan some things, even just you and the son, be like, we're going to go here, we're going to chat, we're going to be face-to-face, we're going to put the video games down. And it might be an adjustment where he kicks and screams about that a bit because he's like, I go to my dad and play video games, who are you? But it's like, we don't do that. Like, we live in this space together and we're not going to have one of us screaming and playing video games for eight hours. I feel like as soon as you kick the PlayStation a little bit and place some boundaries around that activity, you're going to feel a lot more positive about the kid. If not, you need to take yourself out of the environment. You need to go to your partner. Like if you're not going to help me enforce this video game boundary, then the weekend is going to be my day to go out and do A, B, C, D. I can't sit here and be around this. Like no one could stand that. And by the way, teenagers, whether they're biologically your own or not, can be really frustrating and annoying. Like Violet is an exception. I really like her. I really like having her around. But there are things, you know, interests that she has, i.e. being on the phone for as much of the day as she can, that we have to place boundaries around. And if I wasn't her biological parent and I felt like I didn't have enough um, power, like in her life, enough authority to tell her to get off the phone, then it would bug me. Like if she was Bobby's biological daughter and I felt that I was on the periphery and I didn't discipline her and I didn't place my own structure around her day, like if he just let her be on Snapchat for eight hours and she screamed at Snapchat in the living room, like that would be really weird. I don't think that we would have a very good relationship. So just make really clear household rules. You've been living there for a year. This is your household too. And you can say, PlayStation is between the hours of, you know, X and Y. And outside of those hours, we are going to have some structure to the day. We're going to get dressed by this time. We're going to go out. You can come shopping with me today. You can come get a pedicure this day. I'm getting my nails done. We can go for a walk. We, You know, whatever it may be, it's not the kid that's bugging you. It is the PlayStation. 
Do you think I'm right? Do you think I'm wrong on really anything that you've heard today? Please email telling everybody everything at gmail.com. If you have your own question, a piece of advice, dilemma, or comment, you can also use the same address. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you are enjoying having the summer back in Britain if this is where you live. I'm very excited for the Roundhouse Festival coming up. I mean, it started now with loads of other acts, including James A. Castor. If you don't have my book, it's called The Audacity. It's perfect to take on holiday. I hope to be gigging around you very soon, and I really appreciate your support. I'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com